Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. If you've wrestled, you've been pushed to a place. Uh, you've been you've been in some deep water before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you probably didn't swim every time either. That, that's always <laughs> the thing, right? Like, we, we like to romanticize all these things. Uh, but the reality is most of the time, the first time any of us are out deep water, our asses drown. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Welcome to Wrestling Changed My Life, folks. This is your host, Ryan Warner. My guest today is Iowa football offensive coordinator, Brian Ferentz. Before that, he was a coach for the Patriots. He's an NFL player, and obviously, he wrestled back in the day. He wrestled in high school. And what I love about this podcast is Brian, one, is a huge wrestling fan, but two, he talks about why Iowa football loves recruiting wrestlers. And as you can imagine, it's not all about the skill set. It has a lot to do with the mindset. And I hope you enjoy this one, folks. Fan of the week goes to Stetson Ayers. His pops, Caleb, turned him onto the show, and now he's a listener. Thank you for listening, Stetson. I appreciate it. Last but not least, this episode is brought to you by Competitor Supreme, which is a Dan Gable movie from the 90s. When I was a kid, I watched this thing over and over and over, and I couldn't find it online. But now, you can stream it on WrestlingChangeMyLife.com. Just go to WrestlingChangeMyLife.com and click on the tab Competitor Supreme and use the promo code GABLE, G-A-B-L-E, for a free rental. It's normally 2 bucks, but if you use the promo code GABLE, G-A-B-L-E, you'll get a free rental. And that's it, folks. Let's give it up for Brian Ferentz. I know you wrestled at City High. Was Brad Smith your coach? <laughs> Brad Smith coached me. Yep. Um, so I, I was at City High from 2000. The the wrestling seasons would have been 99, 2000, and 2000, 2001. Okay. Um, and before we came to Iowa City, uh, my first two years of high school wrestling were at the Gilman School in, in Baltimore. So um, probably the most – I'd say the most uh, famous alum of the Gilman School is a guy named Mike Faust. I don't know if you've ever heard that name. He wrestled mm-hmm. for – he actually wrestled for Tom at Virginia Tech. Um, oh, wow. Off a transfer. He started at Penn. Um, and then he wrestled at heavyweight for, for Tom. Um, he was actually my introduction to wrestling. I didn't grow up wrestling because once we left Iowa, you know, I was seven years old and um, we went to Maine. There's not a lot of wrestling in Maine. Okay, <laughs> so uh, either you play hockey – um, or you kill yourself. That's those are the two things that, that, <laughs> that Maine's known for. That, that's uh, 
that's a terrible thing to say, and it's no laughing matter, but they are the highest, at least when we were there, highest suicide rate per capita in the United States. Really? Um, it is an interesting place. Uh, but hockey is king in Maine. Yeah. So uh, when we went to uh, – I was kind of a nomad in the winter sport world as a kid. <clears throat> I played hockey when we lived in Maine, and I was at a disadvantage. Um, you know, I started skating at the age of seven. Most kids there are skating really before they can even walk. Um, so that, that was a little bit hard. Then we moved to Ohio. Um, you know, we, we followed my father around, obviously. So we moved to Ohio <clears throat> in Ohio. I continued to play hockey. Um, but it was not like it was in Maine In Maine hockey is King, you know, in Ohio, it's, it's a club sport. Um, so by our second or third year in Ohio, you know, hockey just wasn't really feasible, feasible for me. Um, we, we left, we went to Baltimore after that. So I'm, I'm in like seventh grade, not playing hockey anymore. You know, I played basketball, uh, growing up in, in all the youth leagues, nothing crazy. I wasn't much of a basketball player. Uh, but we, we get to Baltimore. Uh, I play basketball. I play football and basketball uh, in eighth grade baseball. Those were my three sports. Um, and baseball is a spring sport everywhere I grew up, except Iowa In Iowa, it's a summer sport. Mm. So in Iowa, you can actually play four sports as a high school athlete. That's right. Um, yeah. So eighth grade, I do that. And then in ninth grade, I, I move over to, to the school, the Gilman school. It's a private school. Um, it was a great experience for me. Best thing ever happened to me, though. I, so I played football uh, there. And uh, after the football season at Gilman, you had to participate in a sport all three seasons. You were on trimesters. And in each trimester, part of the curriculum was you had to you had to play a sport or do some kind of intramural. Um, so we get to the winter. I go out for the basketball team. And um, let's just say my heart wasn't in it. So... <laughs> Uh, they cut me and, um, I remember I, I had to do something in the winter and this guy, Mike Faust, who, who played football, we played football together, uh, grew up wrestling. You know, I mean, he, he was a, he was a pretty big time prep wrestler, one, uh, national preps twice, I think. Um, you know, that was a big tournament for us. Like there was no state tournament right. for private schools out there. So you would go to national preps. Um, I remember being on the other side of the bracket, uh, of Steve Mako. We, we never saw each other, thankfully for me. Um, that was my, that was my sophomore year, um, at Lehigh, but, uh, but he got me to go out for wrestling and I, I'd never wrestled before in my life. Right. So I, I'm a first time wrestler in ninth grade and, um, I really just fell in love with it. I really very much enjoyed it. I had no idea what I was doing, you know, wrestled JV my first year and, and tried to learn how to wrestle. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but from there, there was really no turning back, you know, and then my, my family's a little different. My younger brothers grew up wrestling um, gotcha. because we moved here when I was a junior in high school and my younger brothers, uh, my, you know, my next brother's six years younger than me, mm. you know, so he's right away in an elementary school and, you know, he's Matt pack with Brad um, wrestling uh, city has kids clubs called Matt pack. And then my youngest brother's 10 years younger than me. So he's right into Matt pack with Brad too. Uh, and then that's where my story starts at city high, I get there as a junior, um, and get a chance to join Brad's team. Yeah. I mean, that's, <clears throat> I love the background there and I appreciate it. It just makes you realize, you know, you see the, the head coaches on Saturdays coaching or even the assistants or anyone in that staff. It's like, man, that's such a glorious job, but how hard is that on the family life to move around like that? I mean, that's brutal. It's tough. You know, and you think about that now, 
uh, getting into it with your kids. You know, I, I've got four little ones. You may hear them in the background. This quarantine, uh, <laughs> there's not a lot of privacy in our house, and we got a pretty good sized house. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you think about that. But I, but I'll tell you what. I, I think you look at it two ways, and it's probably like a lot of people have talked about just with the sport on your program here. Um, growing up that way, you, you have two choices. You can either sit around and feel sorry for yourself and talk about how hard it is. Um, it's really not. A lot of people move a lot, and I think it's a tremendous opportunity because, you know, I got experience with a lot of different people in a lot of different regions of the country. Um, and I had to start over a couple of times. And it, although that seemed very hard when I was young, I, I think I gained some real skills that have helped me as I've become an adult and, um, you know, moving around, uh, being different places, meeting different people, having to start over, having to do it once in, in eighth grade and once in high school, uh, that I think that was really beneficial for me uh, because th those are times when, you know, the pecking order and the social, the social order is really entrenched Yeah. and, and bang, you're, you're thrust in a new environment. And, um, you know, it's, it's like the wrestling community, right? High school boys, um, it, there's a certain, you know, there's alphas and they work really hard to, to establish their position. And then all of a sudden when you come in and, and I was always a bigger kid growing up. So, you know, you're an immediate threat to everybody. Uh, what I did find helpful was whether it was wrestling or football or baseball, being a part of organized team sports always gave me um, kind of ready-made friends. It, it earned you acceptance probably a little bit quicker than, you know, if you're just a new kid in school. So absolutely. Um, I, I just look at, I look back Hey, look, if you'd asked the 13 year old version of me, I would have told you how terrible it was and how awful it was. But uh, in reality, when you're 13 years old, you have no perspective. I, I sit here at 37 and say, uh, boy, I, I was really fortunate to have grown up the way I grew up. Um, and uh, But uh, my youngest brother, uh, he went from K to K to 12 in one city in Iowa City. So, yeah. uh, you know, we grew up very different ways. And I'd argue he's probably a little more well-adjusted than me. So perhaps that's the, the best way to do it. <laughs> One of my favorite stories that I found when I was researching for this podcast is your dad had taken a head coaching job at Iowa and you were in high school and he his first two years he was rebuilding and transitioning and I think they had lost to Central Michigan at home or Western Michigan at home and you go up to him and you're like, dad, are we going to have to move again? And he's like, no, we're going to be fine. And he was like lockstep confidence, no doubt. And then the next year they go seven and five, win the Alamo bowl and the rest is history. But uh, do you remember that conversation and what do you take from that to this day? I do. So um, you're exactly right. Western Michigan was 2000. And, uh, and the best way I could describe that is, you know, um, the, these games happen every year. Uh, they, they happen every year. And uh, it's like competing in, in anything. Uh, that's why you compete. You know, there's, there's no, they, they see tournaments, but you got to go wrestling. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, football's the same way. So th these upsets happen all the time. But but again, I, I hark back to, okay, I'm 17 years old. And uh, I think part of my problem at 17 was I probably didn't have a healthy respect for what it does take to win uh, when you compete. And But the bottom line was we lost to a team that you should never lose to at home. Uh, now, interestingly enough, we, we lost to Western Michigan about seven years later at home when we really had no business losing to them and central Michigan, who you brought up, we, we lost to them in 2012 at home. So, uh, you know, we, we've lost plenty of these games, but, uh, for me, it was just kind of one of those moments where, you know, I, I'd grown up in a world where the university of Iowa, we beat everybody except Michigan and Ohio state, you know, and, 
and those were going to be close games. Um, so to see us on such hard times, boy, that was, that was tough on me. And then, you know, you also, you add to that the fact that, uh, there weren't a lot of wins in those first two years and that that's early in the second year. So, you know, the first year we go one in 10 and, um, and it's bad, but Hey, it's the first year and it's rebuilding. Okay. As a 17 year old, I can understand that. Uh, year two, we opened the season in Kansas city against Nebraska, who at that time was still Nebraska. Um, and, and we were competitive, you know, it was like a 38 to 17 game or something like that. We weren't, we weren't close, but uh, we weren't totally outclassed. Uh, and then we go home and we lose to Western Michigan. So in my naive 17 year old mindset, I think that, Hey, we're just going to go out and uh, year two, we're going to get this thing squared away. Um, and, and I had no respect for the, what it takes to win the process, uh, all those things. So I, I'm pretty upset. And I say to my father afterwards, uh, you know, are we going to be okay? And, um, you know, what really struck me is not, he actually didn't say everything's going to be okay. Um, he told me, he looked me in the eye and he told me, he said, Hey, he goes, I don't know. He said, I don't know, but we're doing everything. The, the only way I know how we're, we're going to work every day. We're making improvement. We're making progress. This is a process. I know how to do things one way. That's how we're going to do them. Um, and I can live with the results. And now it wasn't doom and gloom. He said it in a way that to a 17 year old did, there was a lot of confidence in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's stuck with me my whole life. Uh, and you probably found it in, in one of those stories that I reference that story often because, you know, I, I and, and whether it's wrestling football, uh, I, I laugh because my father has no background in wrestling, but very much appreciates the sport. Mm-hmm. And he would have been a great wrestler because he's, he's marginally talented athletically. Um, but he's extremely tough and tough minded. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a 17 year old to get that kind of guidance at home where, Hey, look, I don't know if everything's going to be okay. Um, but that's okay. It's okay to fail if you do it the right way, or if you do your best, you know, just to sound really cheesy. I think that's what he was telling me. Now I, I hope he, he had no intention of failing. I hope. Um, right. But, but I think that's really powerful for a 17 year old to understand that, uh, you know, if you're going to accomplish anything, that's of, of any kind of, um, you know, difficulty, you have to be willing to take a chance. You have to be willing, uh, to risk humiliation, to risk failure, um, to, to go out and do that. Yeah. No, it's in people who listen to this show are going to shoot themselves because they mention this all the time, but John Wooden's one of my heroes and I've read his book. Um, I can't remember what it's called. It's like this little tiny blue book, but he defines success in that same way, right? He, he doesn't even need to know the outcome of the game because based on that week's worth of practice, he'll know if they've had success or not by doing the right things, you know? Yeah. Um, I know exactly what book you're referencing. Uh, Yeah. And it's as good as it gets, right? It's simple, it's direct, uh, but it's exactly right. And I think, you know, whether you're talking about wrestling or, or our business and football uh, preparation is, is going to be, 95% 95% of what determines success or failure. Mm. Um, and, and then there's that, there's that aspect of, um, but again, so much of it comes in. That, that's why I'm always fascinated by like what Tom and Terry do over there. Uh, because I think that, that in their sport, you're looking, you're always looking to February and March. And um, it can be very difficult to manage the expectations of a season as you look towards something so far away and most people 
uh, with all due respect, but e- even our fans who are the most knowledgeable fans in the world when it comes to wrestling, mm-hmm. um, or at least on this side of the Atlantic Ocean, I think, mm-hmm. um, this side of the Cold War for sure, I, I don't think they can always grasp that, you know, um, what you're what, what you're watching in Carver Hawkeye or what you're watching in a dual meet during the year, that, that's not going to be that athlete's best performance. It mm-hmm. can't be if, right. if they're working towards what's really important. Um, and, and that's the hard part about football is we only get a 12 of those opportunities. We get one a week. Um, so all that preparation that goes in during the week, uh, if you can't maximize that performance on Saturday, you know, that's the other 5% of the equation. And, um, and it's usually not that tricky, but I, I gotta, I gotta be honest with you, I can't imagine, or, or I really can't recall honestly too many times where boy, we had a great week of preparation. Um, and we just shit the bed, right? You know, pardon my French, no but, problem. uh, I can't, I can't really recall more than one or two of those. And those are head scratchers. Uh, but typically, <clears throat> you know, I, I know going into the game, I got a pretty good idea of what, what I think is going to happen. Um, and I'm rarely, I'm rarely wrong. And sometimes, uh, that's not a good thing. Sometimes <laughs> you know what's going to happen before it happens. And that's not good. Well, you talk about preparation and when I was you know, thinking about, how different it is to interview you since you're a college football coach versus some of the wrestlers. I think of yet hours and hours of preparation. And obviously you got to learn from one of the great masters of all time, Bill Belichick. Talk about what, I mean, what level of detail in preparation goes into something like the Patriots organization. And if they have a game Sunday, when does it start? Is it Sunday night? Is it Monday? What does that look like in a typical week? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, it's year round, you know, it's, it's 12 months a year. Uh, that that's, that's one thing that I think all, all athletic endeavors share, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I really respect, um, in fact, if, if you guys interview, if you interviewed some of our players, they probably get tired of my wrestling references, uh, right. <laughs> Especially whether it's our program, um, or, or whether it's just wrestling in general. Um, but one thing that, that to me, you know, and I've heard Tom Brands talk about this a lot. And I know it's not Tom's original thought, you know, and I think it all probably stems back to, to coach Gable. Uh, but if you're going to be a winner, you have to live a championship lifestyle. You know, I've heard Tom talk about that a lot. And when he talks about a championship lifestyle, he's talking about it's 365 days a year and you can't wake up one day and decide that you're going to be great at anything. You have to make that choice. You have to commit to it. And you have to live that way 12 months a year for as long as you choose to compete. I think what the New England Patriots probably do better than anybody in the world in our sport is adhere to those principles. Mm. I've heard Bill Belichick say basically the same thing with different words. Um, And I think the, the interesting thing about football is it becomes a little bit more difficult because if you're in the NFL, you're talking about a roster with 53 guys on it. Um, if you're in college football, you have 85 scholarship players, uh, plus another walk-on population. We're, we're probably going to carry close to 120 guys a year. Um, getting everybody uh, in tune is harder. And, uh, you know, whereas in wrestling, if, you, if you're going to have a good wrestling program, you're talking about 15 to 20 guys mm-hmm. that, that you've got to get on board, um, which can still be very challenging. Yeah. The Patriots year round are, are committed to that. And then just the way that a football week looks again, that's where it's so much different than, than wrestling. 
you know, you're preparing year round for the season, but once you get into the games, what you're really talking about now is okay. Sunday you compete or in our business set or in a college football Saturday. And, it, and it's basically the same model. Um, Saturday night, you try to digest whatever happened. Um, and Sunday morning, you you relive it. So you go and you do your postmortem. You watch the tape. Uh, you talk about why things worked, didn't work, what was successful, what wasn't. Uh, then you then you're with the players addressing that. So in the NFL, that's Monday. Uh, you're gonna watch that film with the players. You're gonna try to um, to to get things cleaned up with them, make corrections. Then you're gonna get them out of the building. And by Monday night, um, you're gonna be starting on Sunday's opponent, mm. and you're gonna kind of break the you know, football is so situational. So um, you're going to, you're going to segment it. Hey, we're talking about first and second down, <clears throat> normal down and distance. Uh, then maybe the next day we're talking about some red areas and third down. Um, so you go, you know, basically Tuesday's a, a game planning day. The players don't work. Um, Wednesday, you're practicing. Thursday, you're practicing. Friday, you're practicing. Saturday, you're practicing to some extent. You're gearing down that physical, um, you know, the physicality part of it by, by Friday and Saturday, you're really backing off. Um, and then Sunday, obviously it's, it's game day again. And, and you got to start all over again that <laughs> night. Um, but I think one thing, you know, you, you bring up one interesting thing about football uh, to me, once you get into the season, um, you know, basically you, you spend about eight months. That's why what we're going through right now in every sport is interesting. Yeah. Uh, but, but we're going to get to, <clears throat> to a point here where, uh, just, for, you know, we, we have a lot of football coaches out there that should not be talking to the media based on what I've read. Um, the reality of what's going to happen here is we're going to reach a date where safety is going to become an issue as far as just ramping guys up, getting them ready to go out and play. Um, because you need, we're used to having 52 weeks a year to make sure these guys are ready to play. So you spend eight months getting ready to play, getting guys big, strong, fast. And then essentially you spend four months trying the hardest you possibly can to keep them there. Mm. And so a lot of times when we talk about in our building, and again, I think the Patriots do this very well, Sunday to Sunday in the NFL or Saturday to Saturday in college football, it's really about how much recovery can you make? How quickly can you get guys' bodies back because there's going to be a period in the middle of the week where you have to go out and work again. Um, and it's physical and there's nothing easy about that. And then at what point do you start backing off of that to get them to re ready to play on Saturday or Sunday uh, at the highest level? And, and those are the things that we're trying to deal with. Man, so it's just not, I mean, and you kind of knew it was nonstop, but I mean, at that level, um, any elite level of football at, during that season, that seven day period is just nonstop. Yeah, it's about for for the players. It's about four months, really, probably closer to five months if you're a good team, mm -hmm. um, of just nonstop. And the, and the the toll is physical. It's which becomes mental, you know. And it, and it's like any sport. That's that's one thing I always think about in my life. I was so fortunate to wrestle. Yeah. Um, because you know, I know I know it's it's so overused. Coach Gable's quote about once you've wrestled, anything in life is easy. Um, you know, but I don't really believe that. I think there's a lot of truth to that because there aren't many sports. If you're a football player, just for example, we try to stress this to our guys all the time. Um, you know, you, there's 11 guys on the field. And what's amazing about football is 10 guys can do it right. One guy can do it wrong and it can get you beat. Or 
one guy can do it right, ten guys can do it wrong, and you can get away with it because only the one guy um, was, you know, vulnerable. So what's interesting about that is uh, it's very difficult to be the actual goat in a football game, to be the guy they point at. Mm -hmm. Um, And often you can deflect blame, you can deflect criticism. Um, It's one thing I've learned in coaching. Uh, The the first thing you need to do when you don't have a result that you want is own it and and be accountable to that result uh, because otherwise – you're not going to make any progress, but if you don't grow up in a sport like wrestling, where it's you and the other guy, and that's it, Mm -hmm. there's two people competing on the mat and there's nowhere to hide. So whatever that result is out there, you own that. Um, And if you end up on your back in front of a lot of people, it is a humbling experience. And I, and I don't think anybody that's ever had that experience in life, uh, let me put it this way. I watch a lot of our leaders. Uh, obviously, right now, we're all seeing more news coverage than any of us would ever care to see. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it would do a lot of people really well to get their ass kicked in front of 6,000 people in a gym. Um, it may give them a little bit of humility that's, that's probably needed to do some of the things we need to do right now. Amen, man. It's I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, the I, I tried to kind of distill some of your philosophies just based on what I read about you, but self-awareness seems to be a big one. Um, and you've talked about that a lot. Um, but getting back to wrestling, I mean, you you guys did the Wrestling World Proud this year where I think all of your offensive linemen, all five, wrestled in high school. And that that meme or that picture was everywhere for about two months, sure. which was awesome. Um, so do you... In, not that you would intentionally recruit a wrestler, um, but you know when you're when you're recruiting guys, you have... To me, 85 scholarship seems like a lot, so you have a lot of room to play with, but you probably think it's, it's not enough. But, you know, what are you looking for in recruits? And if they happen to wrestle, is that like a bonus? Or kind of what do you look look for in terms of like people's skills, not football skills? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, that's, a, that's an excellent question because uh, the question you're asking is a lot more important than the football skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what, when you're out there and you're trying to evaluate guys – you know, 85 scholarships is a lot. Um, but again, you're talking about a sport where we have 22 guys that are on the field at any given moment. Um, it's a lot compared to other sports. Mm -hmm. Let me put it that way. Um, and when you're, when you're evaluating guys, you know, I I always start from this, this spot with us. If, If you look at recruiting rankings, which come out every February, you're never going to see us in the top 15. Mm-hmm. You're, you're just not. Um, and and I could probably give you the teams that are going to be in the top 15 every year. I may not get the order exactly right, but I'll be pretty close. Um, if you look at the rankings that come out at the end of the season, we expect to be in the top 15 every year. Mm-hmm. So how, how do you bridge that gap, right? And um, why can't, you know, the first question that I get all the time from fans, and I know it's a frustration, well, why can't you just go recruit? the top 15 class. Um, if it was that easy, we'd be doing it. Um, <laughs> I, I can tell you that much right now. And in some ways, stars and all that stuff is valid. Um, you know, wrestling, football, any of that. If I take my wife to a wrestling mat, uh, match in Carver Hawkeye Arena right now, she knows that Spencer Lee is the best wrestler in the building. It's pretty obvious. Yeah. Um, it's not hard to see, right? Uh, what she can't understand is when I'm watching us wrestle – uh, and, I, and I'm watching some of our young guys like Cassiopeia early in the year. And I'm going, we walk out of there and she's like, what do you think? I was like, I think we have a heavyweight. Like, I like this kid. Um, 
she's like, well, what do you mean? You know, because he's wrestling heavyweight matches, especially early early in the year. It wasn't real explosive. Um, but I just said, you know, here, here's a kid. I just like the way I like his approach. I like how he handles himself. I like how he handles things that don't go his way. Uh, I like how he continues to wrestle through some positions. Mm-hmm. Just some things that, you know, and, and football is no different, right? I'm not an expert in, in the technical aspects of, of wrestling. But when you're looking at football players, I think that's more important than anything. How are they handling themselves? Okay, so then now you bring it all together with that wrestling equation. When you're talking about uh, what we would call big or semi-athletes, so offense and defense alignment, linebackers, tight ends, those kind of guys, um, if, if they have a wrestling background, I think it helps them for all the reasons I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm never even worried if they're any good or not. Now, most of our guys were pretty good um, because I, I would just make the observation. That's why I look back on my high school career with such shame. Um, <laughs> most, most heavyweight divisions in high school wrestling across the country statewide uh, are not that competitive. Right. So if you're a big guy that's, that's tough and physical and semi-athletic, you should do pretty well regardless of your wrestling skills. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of our guys are pretty good. You know, I remember uh, Tom said one year we had five, we had five guys uh, in our room or four guys that he thought could be national place winners wow. uh, at heavyweight. Uh, but it's the same problem, right? We, we have guys that should be playing for us and should be all Americans, but they're playing, you know, division two basketball because their AAU coach thought, you know, that being a six, <laughs> four guy that can't shoot, there was a future in that. So, um, it's, kind of, it's kind of the same thing, but, uh, yeah, when you, when you're looking at those guys, if you have a guy with a wrestling background, um, ge- generally it's not hundred percent, but generally I can make some assumptions about that kid uh, and what kind of kid he is. And w- more importantly, what he's been exposed to, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, like you talked about whether it's self-awareness, which look, when we're 17 years old, we all lack that it's just normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but in my life, it's amazing. And, and you could probably, you, you've been around a lot more of the wrestling community than I have. I, my, I'm very local in the wrestling community. I, I'm around Iowa, which is good enough for me. That's all I want. Cause everybody else is the bad guys anyway. So <laughs> um, what's amazing to me, I, I've been around very few arrogant wrestlers. Mm. If, if that makes sense. Very few. Um, look, we, every profession, every sport, we, we all have some bad apples. Um, but I'll tell you what, I've been around a lot of arrogant football players. I've been around a lot of arrogant coaches. Um, I think there's a humility that comes with having to wrestle that you can't be duplicated anywhere else. Mm. And so everybody talks about leverage and all those things. And Hey, you know, yeah, that's one thing about wrestlers. Generally, if you spend any time in a wrestling room, you start to learn how the human body works, how to apply pressure um, and, and how to, you know, win leverage battles. Mm-hmm. But it's so much more than that. Um, I, I think it has a lot more to do with the mindset and the mentality of kids. And generally, if you've wrestled, you've been pushed to a place. Uh, you've been you've been in some deep water before, mm-hmm. and you know you, you probably didn't swim every time either. That, that's always <laughs> the thing, right? Like we we like to romanticize all these things, uh, but the reality is most of the time, the first time any of us are out deep water, our asses drown. Yeah, and, and then <laughs> you know we have a great coach like a guy like Brad Smith. Um, who, boy, I, I look back, how fortunate was I, uh, in high school to be coached like a guy, but by the name of Brad Smith. And then, you know, I had some coaches in college and football 
that, that are legendary in our profession. Um, but a guy like Brad Smith, you know, yeah, you, they put you in that deep water. They let you drown and then they pull you back up. Mm-hmm. They tell you it's okay. And they teach you how to swim. And I think most kids with wrestling backgrounds have had a similar experience to that. The thing I tell guys in recruiting, I can't promise you anything. Um, anybody that promises you anything in recruiting, you should run as fast as you can the other way. Now, unfortunately, most kids, they like promises. But uh, the only thing I can promise you is that this is going to be hard. If you want to be a great college football player, it, it's going to be hard. Yeah. If you want to play in the NFL, that's going to be hard. If you want to get a college degree, that's going to be hard. There are things that are going to happen that you didn't expect, that you didn't plan for, uh, and, and quite frankly, that, that you didn't want. And guess what? A lot of them are going to be unfair. Um, and no one is going to care. Right. No one is going to care. So are you going to push through those things? Do you have the fortitude to see things through? Do you have a goal that is so important to you that you are willing to push through difficulty and uncomfortability to get there? Um, kids from a wrestling background have already had a lot of experience with things like that. Um, and the disappointment, you know, I mean, I just, I think about the disappointment that I've been around in the wrestling world, um, whether it was my own as a competitor and how alone and empty that feeling is, or, you know, sitting there trying to, trying to counsel my brothers um, when they face the same disappointment and how just devastating and shattering it is. Me personally, I'd rather have kids playing for us that have been through things like that. um, than you know, just been handed trophies their whole life. Coach, I'm impressed with your wrestling knowledge. You're dropping names. I uh, I didn't know what to expect coming in. Like how up to date you were with the the Hawkeyes, man. And well, I follow us closely. Yeah, it's my favorite pastime. Well, I gotta say, um, I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, when you've when you have a goal and you've done everything that you can do right, and you still don't get it, that's where it hurts the worst. And a lot of people never experience that until they get to the real world. They're 28, 29, 30, and then shit hits the fan and it's chaos, right? So doing everything right like any of those Iowa guys do and not getting it done. You know, there's nothing more gut wrenching to, uh, to see. And, you know, a lot of times when I have guys in here, I'll ask them, talk to me about your transition from high school to college or from college to the Olympics. One of the things I was dying to ask you just because you've been around football your whole life. What was it like trans, uh, transitioning from college to the NFL? I know you were only there for a year, but what was that like? And what is the level of athleticism in the NFL? Is it just unreal? <laughs> Yeah, so I, I always get around. It's a good question. I always tell people the best thing about me having an NFL experience was that I realized very quickly I didn't belong there. Um, and, you know, in all seriousness, it, it's it's such a it's a surreal it's a surreal experience to to join the NFL as a player. And I, you know, I even hesitate to say that. I spent a year on a practice squad, um, and then and then I spent a preseason with a couple teams and got caught, and that was it for me. My brother's made a six-year career of it, seven years now, I guess. Um, and um, it, it's just – I remember my first day putting on an NFL uniform, first game, and coincidentally we, put, we played the Patriots in the preseason. Um, and wearing an NFL uniform was just – it's like the pinnacle. It's like it's like achieving everything you ever dreamed of. Um, and, I, and I've been fortunate. I've, I've gotten to do that a couple of times. You know, I got to play at the University of Iowa, which – was what I grew up dreaming of. I want to run on that swarm. And, um, and then I got a chance to do that. And then I got a chance to play and actually be a contributing member of the team and all. And then all of a sudden now you're in the NFL. Um, 
and and it is surreal but but the other part of it that was it was it was a little bit of a disappointment to me mm. um honestly because and, and i would imagine it's probably different for guys that are chasing olympic gold medals um in the national football league it's a job and it's business and it's a great job because you get to play football every day but a lot of the aspects of the team sport that that i'm really fond of or that i love so much being a part of unfortunately for me that the rosters i was on in the nfl we didn't have that mm. and um you know it was just it was like a bunch of mercenaries and and that's okay, you know, but uh, but it just becomes very different. And, and there's a competitive aspect to, to pro, pro sports um, where if, if the roster's not managed right, I'll, I'll hit on that in a second. But, you know, it's just, hey, look, I'm there trying to take somebody's job. I'm trying to take food off their table. Um, I'm 23 years old. Some of these guys are 32, have wife, have kids, have a family. Um, and it, it makes for a very interesting dynamic. Wow. Now. I was very much disappointed walking out of there, but I'll tell you one, one thing that I'm very fortunate is that experience I had in New England, my, my four years in New England, I got to be around an NFL team where all the things I didn't think could exist in pro sports did. Mm. And it really changed my outlook. Um, and again, it's not, it's not a, the teams I was on weren't very good. Um, which also is difficult. I was used to being on a good team. Um, <laughs> And, and the New England Patriots are excellent. And it has a lot to do with having good players. Yeah. But you cannot discount the culture or the, the togetherness of a football team. That, that is a very important thing. And I, and I don't think it's any different in wrestling. You know, right. you, you referenced uh, – look, I'm, I'm up to date on our guys. I'm not always as good with the, with the rest of the country. But one thing that strikes me about our team, um, those are a bunch of kids that are very much invested in the success of one another. And I think that is what helps you um, overachieve. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, boy, I, I'm in awe of what uh, Kale Sanderson and, and those guys have done at Penn State. But another thing that strikes me about watching Penn State wrestle, um, as much as it pains me because they're not Iowa, um, you can't watch them wrestle and say that that is not a group of people that care about each other. Um, and are having a blast. That's one thing that always strikes me about those guys. They have such unique um, individual styles, and they're all having fun. Yeah. And, and I think that's pretty special too. Um, now, I mean, look, I just want to see guys throw guys in the score table and start brawls. <laughs> um, but I, I was raised in Iowa City. I don't know any better. Amen, man. I mean, God, you're talking about some Iowa Penn State. I was there this year. That was an awesome duel. Did you make it out to that one this year, Coach? I, I was there for that one. Yeah. God, that was, that was electric. You think yeah. back to the time we're in now, live sports. It's like you you take it for granted. And you know, I'll, I definitely have a lot more gratitude for sports now that we're um, you know without it. What does it look like for you guys? You mentioned that you're coming up on a date where you got to start getting your guys in shape. Can you have any contact with them? I mean, what are you doing at all right now, football wise? Yeah, we're we're um we're in contact with those guys. You know, the, the hardest part for us as a program uh, is the, these fifteen spring practices that we're missing. This, this is a developmental block of time for us, um, where we're really working on skill development, team development, um, and toughness development. You know, th that deep water. That's mm -hmm. this is the time of year when we're trying to push guys into it and teach them how to swim. Um, so, so we're missing that. That's not going to come back. Um, we're not going to lament that. Uh, there's, there's also 
I, I would say for the University of Iowa, this time is much more about fundamentals and uh, physical development. So skill development, much more than system implementation or mm-hmm. um, anything like that. So uh, what we've done right now, obviously we can't train the guys. We can't practice. Um, first and foremost, we, we want to make sure everybody's healthy uh, and doing their part to keep the rest of our country healthy. Um, so we, we have about 35 guys who the best answer was to be back in Iowa City in their apartments. Um, we have one freshman who had to move into an apartment because the dorms closed. Mm. Everyone else on our roster is home. And so, you know, what we do is we meet with the players uh, once or twice per week, like by Zoom, um, which which I've had to learn more about all this stuff. <laughs> uh, and, and it's good for me. So uh, by Zoom. But when we do those meetings, it's a lot more about just um, – making sure guys are in a routine, making sure guys are staying on top of their academics. Cause that's new to these guys. That's a new challenge. Yeah. Online classes. Um, so just trying to check in and, and build that sense of community that we normally have. We do that by position groups. Uh, we also have some different uh, groups within our team. We call it the Hawkeye challenge uh, where it works across offense, defense, position groups. They meet weekly uh, with a coach. Uh, you know, we try to call each guy with, with a phone call once or twice per week. Um, and basically our message right now is just, hey, uh, w- one day we'll start again. I don't know when that's going to be. Um, I don't think that's important right now to worry about. I think what we need to do is, is make sure we're doing the best thing we can for everyone. Uh, but when that day comes, we need to get everybody to that day mm-hmm. and, and get them there. You know, guys are working out, doing the best they can. But it's, you know, it's like where you're at. Um, we have a lot of players from the Chicagoland area and from Illinois. Uh, who who can't go down and run at a high school field right now? It's illegal. Um, so so just conditioning. Um, you know we drop ship dumbbells and kettlebells and equipment to guys, uh, but it's one thing to be able to go train in your in your garage. It's another thing to be able to go out and run. Our guys need to run. Yeah. Uh, and some guys can't do that right now, and that's okay. So when we get to that point, we just got to make sure everybody gets there. Uh, that they've done what they need to do academically, that physically they're in as good a shape as they can be. They're not going to be ready to practice. Um, that's okay. We'll, we'll get there. Uh, but whenever that date comes, it, it goes back to that wrestling mentality to me. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't care. Um, I know that we're going to have challenges that we've never faced before. We're going to have a time frame that we've probably never seen before. Um, and it's not going to be fair, right? Like, there's a lot of guys <laughs> right now. We, we have a lot of coaches bitching about well, certain guys got X amount of spring practices in, and these, oh, it's all going to be the same. Is it going to be equitable? Um, I could care less. It doesn't matter. We, we get the date. Uh, we got to get a football team ready to play. If we don't win, nobody's going to care that there was COVID-19 and a coronavirus crisis uh, and quarantine. Nobody's going to be interested. They're going to be interested in the fact that we lost. Uh, so we need to find a way to compete. And, and I think it all comes back to this. Again, this is a lesson I learned in wrestling try to reiterate this to our guys all the time. Everything you do, everything you do, the way you live your life, you're competing against your opponent. And in football, it's a preparation battle. Uh, I think it's a preparation battle in every sport. In football, it's a preparation battle. So, you know, I I kid with our guys, but like if you're going to take a shit, finish it. Mm -hmm. And do it better than your opponents. (laughs) Um, and, And have that mindset. Take that mindset to everything you do, whether it's waking up on time to eat breakfast putting the proper amount of calories in your body, putting the proper nutrition in your body, getting eight hours of sleep, 
uh, it's a game. You're you're preparing and you're competing against somebody. You can't see them, but they're there. Yeah, I, I see this the same way. We're, we're competing against 129 other Division One football programs. The teams that are going to win this fall are going to handle this the best. Our job is to handle it the best. And is it challenging? Yeah, it's challenging. Th- that's why we compete. It's fun. Yeah. So you know, let's make sure we're doing what we can to be safe. When we play again, let's be ready to play. Um, but my advice, and, and I, I read this stuff, some of these coaches are just saying things that make us all look stupid and bad. Um, you know, let, let's take care of the country first. Yeah. Let's make sure we're taking care of, of uh, to me, any unnecessary death is just tragic and it's sad. And we should be doing everything we can to avoid it. And then when it is safe to reopen the country, let's go play football. Let's wrestle. Yeah. Let's play golf. Let's do all the things we're going to do. Um, you know, time is, I've learned this. It's taken me a long time. All right. So I'm, I just turned 37 and I'm gaining some perspective. I'm trying to do better every year. Um, but one thing that, that the last five years has really dawned on me, you know, time is just this linear form of measurement that is unstoppable. It just continues to move. Um, and I think the difficulty is finding perspective within that time. Mm. We all get in such, we're self-centered by nature. We can't help it. Um, but we worry so much about our circumstance and what's happening to us right now. Uh, and the reality is whether you're in a wrestling room, um, you know, sweating your ass off uh, through the final five minutes of conditioning and practice, or you know, you're out in the real world trying to deal with some of the challenges everyone's facing right now, this too shall pass. You will come out on the other side. Um, and if you don't, you won't know anyway. That's always <laughs> how I thought about the last five minutes of wrestling practice was, you know, either I'm going to get through this or I'm not, but I won't be around. To, it won't be my problem. Right. Um, so, you know, I just think we, we could all take a step back um, and look at time and, and just say that, you know, if you, if you say that a hey, six months, a year, whatever with sports, it ends up being, um, that's just a blip on the radar. It really you know, is. That's just a blip on the radar. Yeah. You look at, I was telling my, my, my mom's a nurse and, in DeWitt, Iowa. And, but I was even telling her, I go, you know, in World War II, they didn't have sports for two or three years. Like, if this lasts three years, that's that still ain't shit. You know, it's like, yeah. it, we'll, we'll be back, and then a year after that, we'll forget it even happened. You know, so let's hope to God that's not the case, uh, mainly for all the you know small businesses out there and folks who are like sure. restaurant workers and that kind of thing. But um, last thing I want to ask you, Coach, before I let you go is – You've answered a lot of like, usually the last question is how did wrestling change your life? And you've, you've said a lot to that and what it, what you look for in guys and how it's impacted you and, and your coaching philosophy. You've also been around some of the greatest coaches in the world. Uh, Hayden Fry, your dad, Belichick, you've been around Tom Brady, you've been around all these guys. You know, so this might be a little bit tough, but you know, pick one who's the greatest mentor to you and how has that person changed your life? Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, it's twofold. It's something I've, I've been thinking about a lot. I know I, I hit a couple of times earlier because it's on the on the front of my mind right now. Um, just some things have crystallized for me watching people um, o- over the last three or four weeks. And then, you know, just a couple of documentaries I watched and, and some books. And What documentaries um, have you watched? I'm a junkie on documentaries. Well, yeah, so he- here's my favorite thing to do right now is go through the old 30 for 30s. That's oh, my, my God. my favorite thing to do. Those are the best. The best. Um so 
you know, just thinking about those things and, and um, you ask who's, who's had the greatest impact on my life. I mean, it has to be my father. It has to be my yeah. dad. Um, but, but I look through, you know, all those people that you mentioned, whether it's Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, Hayden Fry, um, but go down the list, you know, and just in the wrestling community, Dan Gable, Tom Brands, those names in Iowa. Um, and we've been very fortunate as a football program. Um, uh, the the Bannock brothers ha- have some of a somewhat of a relationship with our football program, and uh, being around those three guys has just just been tremendous. Um, Steve is is actually the guy's closest to us, who is the least famous. Yep. Um, in the wrestling community, but in the real world quite famous, um, went on to a distinguished military career. Yeah. And, um, so being around, in fact, has he ever been on your program? No, but his brother has, and he always talks about Stevie. I'm like, who is Steve? He's like, yeah, he went to Lehigh, but transferred to Iowa, then went on to be in the military. I should have him on though. You should. He's unbelievable. One of the most intelligent people I've ever been around and, um, basically kicked Ed and Lou's ass into doing the right things. That's why they talk about him that way. Um, we'll have to sync but, up on him afterwards. I'd love to have him on. Absolutely. He, he's awesome. And, um, you know, you just think about all these people and it's, to me, humility is the, the thing they all have in common. You know, Tom Brady's one of the most humble people I've ever been around. No uh, kidding. Yeah. First day I met him, he, he walked up to me and said, Hey, hi, my name's Tom. I said, yeah, no shit. Like I, I know who you are. Um, <laughs> So, um, but that, that's how these guys are, you know, and, and I think that comes from experience, you know, and it, and it ties back to, to what you're talking about on this podcast all the time. Um, you have to learn that it's a learned quality. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I look at my dad, one thing that, that I'm just, I I say in every production meeting. So every Saturday, you know, we play, we're on TV. That's one nice thing about our business. Um, Mm -hmm. There's plenty of exposure, right? So every Friday we do a production meeting. And so the coordinators and the head coach have to meet um, with whatever broadcast crew is doing the game. So in the course of a year, we play 12 games, 13 games of the bowl game. You know, we're probably going to have five, six different broadcast crews. Sometimes we have some repeats. They all ask the same question every Saturday. What's it like to coach or every Friday in the meeting? What's it like to coach with your dad? Right. Like, and I finally tell him, I'm like, Hey, listen, you know, so now I've been sitting in these meetings. I've been a coordinator three years. I've been sitting in these meetings three years. I've been, I've played for my dad. I've coached with my dad. I've had plenty of media availability and all that time. And and so now I just say, you know, you, what an original question. It was, you guys are not the first people to ever ask me this. Yeah. Um, Up your game guys. Come on. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Right. So it's a little obvious. Um, but what I've tried to do is, is develop a better answer. Uh, because I, I don't know what the answer is. You know, I, I think people are always looking for some fun anecdote or, you know, it's like what, whatever it is to go to work with them every day. Uh, I'll tell you what it's like to, to coach for my dad. And I, I think this would be true for every assistant on our staff. And I, I'm always a little uncomfortable saying it because he's my dad. Uh, so it sounds self-serving or like my dad can beat up your dad. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and which is not the case. Cause I, I'll tell you the greatest thing about, about growing up in my house playing football for my dad and then coaching for him. Um, I, I got to know him as a father. I got to know him as a coach. Um, and then early in my coaching career, when I was off doing other things, I got to know him as a mentor. Um, and then working with him, I got to know him as a coworker. Mm. And, and along the line, I learned a lot more about him as a human being. And, you know, and I think that's the hardest thing about growing up. Uh, I worry about that often with my kids. One day, like all my kids are under the age of seven. So I'm a hero. 
I'm the greatest. Mm-hmm. I do no wrong. <laughs> um, if I walked in and told them the sky was purple, they would believe me. Yeah. And, uh, which is tremendous responsibility I'm learning. Um, but, uh, but you grow up one day and you meet your pe- your parents as people. And, and I think that's a really hard transition as you move into adulthood and you learn that your parents aren't mom and dad. They're people just like the rest of us. They have flaws. Um, they, they have weaknesses. Um, and they've, they've done things they're not proud of. Mm-hmm. Right. And, one thing that I'm very fortunate about or, or fortunate to, to have is I go to work every day with a guy who is a human being. Yeah, he has flaws. He has weaknesses. Uh, we argue about him often. Um, you know, I have no flaws or weaknesses, so I win all <laughs> the arguments. Uh, but, uh, but I go there with him every day, and yeah, he is a human being. But I'll tell you one thing uh, about him that I just respect, and I think it transcends football, uh, but it's very similar to Bill Belichick or Tom Brady or any of the people you mentioned. I think it has a lot to do with their success. I've never seen him. Um, he's the most genuine person I've ever seen. And, and he cares about everyone. Hmm. And everyone is important to him. And he treats them as such. Hmm. Whether it's a custodian in our building, which we have four of them. He knows every one of them by name. Uh, he knows their stories. He knows where they're from. And when he says hi to them, um, it's when no one's looking. It's not because we're watching him. Um, it's we catch him. And he has a conversation and there's a moment of genuine connection. And it's every person in our building from freshmen in our program uh, to our medical staff, to the custodial staff, like I mentioned, the secretarial staff, go down the list. When you care about people uh, and you treat them like they matter, it's amazing the performance that gets generated. And Mm -hmm. Bill Belichick, I know he doesn't seem that way. um, And he has a very different style than my dad. I'll never forget being a young person in that building, being a young gopher type worker and feeling like my job was important and it was valued. And that's a powerful thing. Mm. Um, and I think that gets lost a lot of places. You know, as uh, you mentioned Hayden Fry, we, we went down to coach Fry's memorial service. We flew, uh, we were very fortunate. Um, CRST trucking provided a plane to fly us down there, the athletic department contingent so we could get in and out. Mm-hmm sick, sick world. We had recruiting, uh, that morning, but we get down there. Um, and the pilot sent me a nice email afterwards, just talking about my father. He goes, you know, just please pass this along to him. I fly, you know, business people and important people and dignitaries. And he said, people basically fall into three categories. That's how he saw them, um, at, at that station in life, either they've achieved that and everyone is beneath them and they don't even try to hide it. Um, or they try to feign it. They try to they try to make that connection, but you can tell they're preoccupied yeah. um, with whatever's going on in their own world, and rightfully so, right? Yeah. They, these are important people. Um, or the third category said, which your dad is in, genuine, caring people that couldn't even fake it if they tried because they know. Um, and so he's made as big an impact on my life as anybody for a multitude of reasons. Um, but I wake up every morning, I go to work, trying to be more like him. Yeah. Um, and I think the hardest thing I, I tell this to, uh, to those broadcast crews is this is my long story that I've come to, to entertain them. But, uh, I tell him, I said, you know, the hardest thing about coaching with my father is knowing every morning when you wake up that no matter how hard you work at or how much you try, you won't measure up to what he is. Mm. Um, and that's hard for me personally, 
but I look at it again, it's like growing up in a bunch of different places, look at it however you want. Yeah, it's too bad. I'm never going to quite live up to my father. Um, but boy, was I lucky to be born uh, to him because we don't get to pick our parents. So right. I, I just feel fortunate every day. He, he's been the biggest mentor in my life. And uh, I, I would anticipate that to continue. And it's like in recruiting, I get asked all the time, you know, when's he going to retire? Uh, well, hopefully not anytime soon because I, I still have a lot to learn from him. So if he stops working, I'm in I'm in deep shit. Man, that's so funny. That's the biggest thing that pops up when you put in your name. Is he going to take over? Is he going to take over? And I'm like, I wasn't going to, I don't even really care about the answer, but I'm just <laughs> like, I, I thought it was funny that you said you're like, I got a lot more to learn. Um, and so I just thought that was a, you know, a, cool little thing you said and that, that's that was very touching and I I know exactly what you mean like when you talk to someone you look them in the eye when you talk to them and you actually like listen and actually have a genuine question back you know that's something that I think people in business or in coaching you know whoever whatever field in life that's that's a common trait um before I let you go I gotta ask you what's your favorite 30 for 30 because I'm a I'm a junkie on the 30 for 30 so okay so I, I mean I have a couple you have to you have to categorize them, right? Are you talking about like the multi, the multi episode ones or just the single? Cause my not the multi episode, episode. That's different. Yeah. Single episode. Yeah, my, my favorite single episode is winning time. The Reggie Miller and Spike Lee, um, the 94 mix Pacers deal. I that, love that one. That's the one I, I haven't watched that one. Oh, I'm excited oh, I need to watch that one. Okay. Yeah, that's it's phenomenal. I do. Uh, so I do these interviews, but I also do audio documentaries. So think of sure. it like a 30 for 30, but a podcast. And so okay. I did a, a two-part series on Gable. I'll send it to you. Um, okay. Yeah, you'll, if that. you like wrestling, you'll like it. But So I listen, I watch these 30 for 30s to get inspiration. I'm obsessed with the Bad Boys one right now. Have you watched that? Oh, it's a great one. Yeah, that's a great one. Great one. And yeah. if, That's great twofold because it's got Jordan you know, going back in the weight room. Right. Like Jordan saying, forget it. I'm going to find a way to beat these guys. Right. And, and that's – I appreciate them You know, because, again, like I like guys getting thrown in the scores table. But – Yeah. Um, but I also appreciate that one of Jordan because that's, you know, like everybody asked the basketball deal, right? It's funny on a wrestling podcast. Why, why would you uh, bring up the greatest basketball player of all time? But that's such the argument between generations. Um, and like my father, he, he would tell you Bill Russell is the greatest of all time. Right. And, um, you know, for me, it's Jordan because that's what I grew up with. Of course. And for everybody now, it is, you know, LeBron. And I get that. So I asked a guy named Luke Recker who played basketball at Iowa transferred from Indiana. I asked him one time, uh, he lives in town. Uh, we, we were, I forget where we were, but I asked him, I said, Hey, you know, I got to ask you, he had played with both of them in a summer league, right? Like Luke played overseas, uh, but he was in a summer league one time, played on the same court as both those guys, Jordan and LeBron. Wow. I said, settle it for me. Like who, who's the best? He goes, listen, LeBron is the greatest player of all. He, he's an unbelievable athlete, skill player. He said, but in a one-on-one game, Jordan would find a way to win. <laughs> he goes, and that's what makes Jordan special. He would find a way to beat him because that's the kind of competitor he is. Man. He said, so LeBron may be the greatest player of all time, but in basketball, Jordan's the greatest competitor of all time. So as good as the bad boys won it, which it is phenomenal. Um, but I do, I love the scene of Jordan, like going back into the weight room and getting bigger and stronger and saying, I'm not going to get pushed around. I know. I um, get chills when they, sh- when they flash or like, the Pistons had the Bulls, and there's Jordan. You're like, holy shit, that was that time. Yeah. And hopefully the ESPN releases that documentary they've been teasing us with for years called The Last Dance. Like, when the hell is that coming out? You know, I think it's this week maybe even. Or yeah, next I think week. It's this, I know it's this month. Gotta be. Um, we've actually – my wife already set the, the TiVo for it. So She's a saint. DVR or whatever <laughs> it is she is. 
Well, Coach, thank you very much for your time. It's been an honor, sir. I hope you have a great day. Likewise, Ryan. Thank you. Take care. And all great things must come to an end. If you want to hear more from the podcast, text WRESTLE to 555-888. That's WRESTLE to 555-888. You can also find us on Instagram, Wrestling Changed My Life, Twitter, Ryan underscore N underscore Warner, as well as our website, WrestlingChangedMyLife.com. Take care, y'all.